We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The game. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, alternative site, backup studio, whatever the hell it is you want to call it. I've already had three other hosts text me, who spilled? Who spilled? I'll let anyone else spill the tea, but considering this is the show that this whole problem started in, you might ask yourself, what show was on before you guys? Which one of those two guys literally is a bottle of kinetic energy in the studio to the point where he can't stop sitting up, standing down, or, or, or the other way, standing standing up, sitting down, or touching the microphone every 30 seconds? It was Lucas. It was not Lucas. Lucas would That's never... That's the story I'm going with. Lucas would never, ever, ever, ever bring liquid into the studio because he understands that is a huge faux pas. But look, we have ourselves a great show for you still today. Guest-free this hour. We're going to say hello to Eric Davis at 5 o'clock today. An awful lot of secondary plays going to go on to uh, determine what happens uh, pretty much on, on Saturday, wind, rain, or shine because... Both these teams, I think, are going to be committed to running the ball, which means one or two pop plays over the top could be a difference maker on Saturday. It's There is no sport where the worst team in the league is closer to the best team in the league than the sport of professional football. I mean, whoever is the worst team in football this year, Ray, real quick, Rorschach test. Who's the worst oh, team in football? Houston, the worst team in football this year is not that that distantly far away from the Kansas City Chiefs. They're pretty distant. Pretty distant. Do they have a game together this year? Are they a shared common opponent this year? Because the difference between the best team in football and the worst team in football is not nearly the chasm that it is in baseball. I mean, the difference between the Yankees and the We'll say the A's is massive. Yeah, they lost to the Eagles by 12 at home. Who did? Houston. They lost to the Eagles by 12 at home. You considering they had a one of those worst versus bests, right? So I gave it to you. So, so that's is that horrific? 
Uh, a twelve-point loss. I'd have to look at the box score. I mean, that's I mean, four field was, goals. Yeah. That's four field goals. That's all that is. That, that to yeah, me it doesn't sound yeah, it like it wasn't horribly lopsided. Yeah, no. Well, there the Eagles a, did commit more turnovers, but there aren't a lot of horribly lopsided games in the NFL, which means these teams are closer than sometimes people want to say they look on paper. Um, it's going to be a fascinating game. Watching it unfold, how it all unfolds, it's going to be really something else. Uh, we have possibly, since we were talking about what 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 Derek Carr's future may be. At the very end, Ray, I, I brought up, you know, maybe, just maybe Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has a huge pile of money yeah, waiting for him. He's not Should leaving he $90 million dollars on the ground. That's not going to happen. But there might be a possibility of all weird places in New England because they're pretty down on Mac Jones. And for good reason. You know, whatever start he got off to... Uh, and maybe this was in part because Matt Patricia was the de facto offensive coordinator, but he wasn't very good this year. And Bill Belichick, at age 71, does not have that many more years to make one more run at the big one. So he might be very interested in somebody like Derek Carr. The Road to Glendale is brought to you by Marowest Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. Does it feel in your own mind that D'Amico Ryan's not being here next year is a fait accompli? No, and here's why. There are not that many open jobs this year, and three of them uh, happened during the season. And owners, for the most part, do the hiring of coaches. Other people will interview them, but owners say, that's the guy I want. And they almost invariably go for the offensive guy. Um, The Jets went for Robert Sala, and that hasn't turned out terribly well so far. The Jets have not... They are much improved on his side of the ball. They are much improved on his side of the ball, but they're still not in the playoffs. And owners want to know, why aren't we scoring more? Why don't we have Kansas City's results? So I think... Go hire Eric Bieniemy then. By the way, he must be the worst interview on the planet because nobody has given this guy a... Like, his name is not even in the news cycle uh, this year when his name was at the top of the who might be a future head coach news cycle. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure what that's about. I mean, I've heard 12 different versions of, of why he's not getting interviewed, but... Well, give me one. One is that they believe that Andy Reid is the guy who calls the plays, not Eric Bieniemy. Well, it probably is. Well, it's not. It's not rare for the head coach to but, call the plays. But you're looking for well, it, in some t- some places it is. But the perception I think out of Kansas City is that Andy Reid has his hands all over the offense, so nobody knows how good Eric Bieniemy is. I mean, his reputation has largely been built on the fact that he's in Kansas City. Um, I've heard that does an interview well. I'm not sure that that's it. Uh, I've heard that you know he. You know, he tends to be blunter than owners like. Um, see, that's one of the guys I'd be but, looking for. See, I I would too, but owners like yes men. You know, they, they don't want to have to listen to the word no from a guy they're paying $10 million a year to turn their football team around. They want what they want when they want it. Um, I don't know really... 
if there's anything wrong with D'Amico Ryans other than the fact that owners like offense, they don't tend to like defense. And very few defensive co- coordinators who have been hired lately have been dramatic improvements on the offensive guy that they that they've replaced. I want to uh, give full credit to 49ers Web Zone, which basically put together a little article about how D'Amico Ryans could end up back with the 49ers next year. And what we do know, like, here's what we know. He's going to interview with Denver and Houston. They have both officially, formally requested an interview with D'Amico Ryans. So let's just start with the Denver Broncos, who, to be totally honest, have D'Amico Ryans has zero chance of being hired by the Denver Broncos. Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and Dan Quinn are the first three guys standing in that line. And that might be the right of first refusal right there. Harbaugh, Payton, Quinn. Uh, uh, kind of interesting, and it feels like this is maybe a little bit more performative to appease Rooney rules. Do you see that David Shaw, former Stanford head coach, interviewed for the Denver job? Yeah, I mean, well, I think John Elway still has a hand in things over there. I don't know if it's as firm as it used to be. He obviously doesn't have an eyeball on the football that's been played at Stanford the last few years. No, but sometimes you just interview a guy to get their views on your team. I mean, I don't believe anybody thinks that David Shaw is going to get that job. No, but he certainly fits a pigmentation profile that Denver wants to tick off. Especially if their three head candidates are Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and Dan Quinn. Well, ultimately, you know, Rob Walton being the richest owner in the NFL, price will not be an object for what he wants. No, I heard I heard that if it's Harbaugh, Harbaugh could be looking at north of twenty million a year. Well, it, twenty million is not the problem. The problem is power, because how did he come a cropper in San Francisco? Got into fights with the two people above him on the organizational chart: Jed York and and Trent Baalke. Who, by the way, we're back. Yeah, I heard people giving him credit for, you know, turning that team around when, in fact, all he did was say the word Trevor Lawrence. And he had a hand in bringing Urban Meyer there. So he dodged a massive bullet. Well, that really wasn't me. That was the guy above me. No, of course that was. That wasn't me. Let me tell you what I did. Everyone laughed at me when I went ahead and traded and, and paid Kirk like that. Kirk was really good this year. He was on my fantasy team. He yeah, won me. No, he was. Won. Yeah, he was good even when Lawrence was not. Yeah. So he was a surprise in a lot of ways. Look, but getting back to your point, Denver and Carolina have the two richest owners in the sport. And given what happened in Carolina with with Matt Rule, I cannot see David Tepper keeping Steve Wilkes. I think he's looking for a big splash too. So that whoever Denver doesn't get, or whoever is left after Denver hires whoever they're going to hire, is going to be Project One in Carolina. I think Arizona is going to be looking to come and pick up whatever is the leftover coaching didn't get hired in, 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 in Denver as well. You brought up the Panthers real quick. Their list of interviews right now, and they've already got like four or five guys that they want to interview, it doesn't even include D'Amico Ryan or any coach 
that comes from the defensive side of the ball. Everyone that they're talking to is an offensive coordinator. They're thinking offense for sure. So you can absolutely eliminate Carolina from even being in a D'Amico oh, Ryan's conversation. Oh, no, I don't think I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was ever going to get to D'Amico Ryan's because, as I said, David Tepper is going to throw money at this, and he's going to throw a lot of it, which means that he either gets Peyton or he gets Harbaugh. And if Harbaugh, for some reason, stays at Michigan, um, at that point it becomes a wild card. Um, but D'Amico Ryan's, I think, is is down on everybody's list largely because of what you just said. Carolina wants offensive guys. Denver desperately wants somebody to fix Russell Wilson. That's an offensive guy. Arizona has Kyler Murray, who apparently is going to be in the room when these deci- when this decision is made. So that almost sounds like an untenable job going forward. Uh, after that, you know, Indianapolis, I don't know if Jeff Saturday is going to get gassed or not. But that's a hot mess that I think D'Amico Ryans would be better off avoiding, even if they offered him the job. Jim Irsay really might run Jeff Saturday back out of spite, basically, or just to prove himself yeah. right. Because that hire was universally you know, mocked from corner to corner. It was a laughingstock hire. And Ursay is just the kind of eccentric level nuts enough to think... Yeah, I can still end up proving to everyone I'm the smartest man in the room if this works out. So I'll give it another year because I'm just crazy enough to do it. You know, well, and stubborn enough because he's starting to take on some of the trappings of his old man who owned the Baltimore Colts and then moved them in the middle of the night. Strong drinker. Huge drinker. Like massive. And, and, and the Jeff Saturday thing, if you read the thing in The Athletic about... Uh, how he made up his mind on Frank Reich. Uh, he's now essentially the guy who runs the runs the building. You know, it's not Chris Ballard anymore. It's it's Jim Irsay. And Jim Irsay wanted Jeff Saturday. He insisted it was the best hire and flat out told everybody in the room who thought it was a bad idea, he says, you guys don't understand what I understand. And guys who do that tend not to come off a position until it becomes painfully obvious that they have to. And you would have thought losing to the Cowboys, 54-19, might have done that. But no. I mean, the idea to just shake up the world sounded crazy to begin with. I'll be the only person in America defending Jeff Saturday. He was offered up to the media as if he were a gas station attendant. He was a Pro Bowl center whose ears were closer to Peyton Manning than anybody ever had a set of ears closer to Peyton Manning forever. Uh, Was he looking back at it the wrong hire? Absolutely. Is he unprepared for the job? Absolutely. But to just pull his name out of the hat and say, let's give it a go. All right. I don't like it, but at least you can make an argument that lifetime Colts know how Colts should you know, be if that's what you will. He's, you know, a culture hire if, if that's what you want to call it. But then this season, just so chewed him up and spit him out to come back to it. Now you sound like a buffoon. Yeah. Well, the other thing was that unlike Mike Singletary, who was a culture hire in San Francisco, he'd had some experience as an assistant coach on staffs. They didn't hire him from a high school, which is where Jeff Saturday's coaching acumen came from. That's what made there was nothing about his background other than being a center 
that made him qualified for this. And because of that, people derided the choice. If he had done three years on, on somebody's staff, nobody would have blinked twice. They would have said, well, that's a weird hire, but I get it. This was mostly Jim Ursay trying to, I mean, angry at Frank Reich, angry at Chris Ballard, going, I'll do this now. I don't trust you guys anymore. And he chose a guy who, while he might like him a great deal, it's essentially like hiring his next door neighbor. And it turned out exactly as you would expect. They, their last win was against the Raiders, which tells you plenty about the Raiders. And then after that, you know, close against Philadelphia, lost by a touchdown to Pittsburgh, lost by 35 to Dallas, was close against Minnesota, then got yeah, routed Dallas by the Chargers. Dallas game was close through three quarters, right? Then, yeah, <laughs> and then it blew up, yeah. And then got routed by the Giants, and then, you know, blew the game against Houston at the end of the year because they couldn't keep them from scoring with a minute to go. This conversation started being about D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. We've kind of gotten lost on, on Saturday. No, but I... I but no, I mean, but it's, 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 it's fascinating. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because we're talking about whether Jeff Saturday would have the job next year. And I think that's a coin flip. And if it's not Jeff Saturday, I don't know that Jim Irsay would hire a defensive guy either. Because he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who looks at that team and says, hey, we have no quarterback, and then hire a defensive guy. Because that was his biggest complaint. He hated, my, he hated Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan was fairly hateable at that point because he's done. So I think Jim Irsay would be looking, if he's looking outside, for somebody to create a new quarterback for him. And quite frankly, that's an offensive guy's job. So... Again, how could D'Amico Ryans end up as the 49ers defensive coordinator again next year? It's a game of musical chairs, and we're eliminating chairs here before he really even gets to play the game. He's not going to the Denver Broncos. I think we agree on that. He's not going to the Carolina Panthers. They're looking to hire offense for sure. I agree with you on the Colts. If it's not Jeff Saturday, it's going to come from someone on the offensive side of the ball. And... If it, you know, if Jim Irsay is going to replace Saturday, he's going to do something with a big ticket, impressive hire. Uh, It's not going to be the Arizona Cardinals, who apparently are thinking about maybe even promoting their own defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. But that doesn't mean that they're going to quickly pivot to D'Amico Ryans. So that leaves one other team. And it's the team that D'Amico spent most of his career with. It's the Houston Texans. But apparently, the Houston Texans are a lot more interested in D'Amico Ryans than he is in rejoining the Houston Texans. I mean, when you think about it, they just won and dunned back-to-back minority coaches in a row. And he knows the franchise's skeletons. He knows what a dumpster fire their ownership has been throughout his entire career, throughout their entire ownership of the franchise, basically. And a, a polite no thank you feels very, very likely, likely from D'Amico if the Texans really did come a-calling, which they have. There are two interviews actually set on D'Amico's upcoming schedule. It's the Denver Broncos. Don't think he's going to get it. The Houston Texans don't really think he wants it. Now, maybe they put a paycheck in front of him that makes him say, <laughs> let's let bygones be bygones. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the Colts. Don't, it's not going to be the Cardinals. Definitely not going to be the Panthers, which means... 
he might be by default back in San Francisco next year. Back in San Francisco as defensive coordinator and assistant head coach, which means he'll get a bump. And he's got one coming. Um, the, the other part about Houston that makes it a bad job is that nobody's betting that Nick Casario, the general manager, is going to last very much longer either. In fact, some people are surprised that he's still there at all. Um, the only way... Well, he won the war against Easterby, right? He won the war against Easterby, but you know, he was the guy who brought in Lovey Smith and Lovey Smith did the best he could with a terrible team and still got shown the gate that night, the, the night that they beat Indianapolis. So I don't know how much power he, do, he actually does have or how much longer he's going to be able to wield it. So I think we got to wait and see if Casario is going to stay before we make any assumptions. And as long as Cal McNair is running the team, I think D'Amico Ryans is wise to be wary. I think there is one team in the postseason that could actually without the right result this postseason looking to be fire firing their head coach and i don't know if this would apply to D'Amico ryan's but if you if you told me that the tampa bay buccaneers beat the dallas cowboys i could absolutely see mike mccarthy whether he deserved it or not being the fall guy for that situation. Jerry Jones has already basically said that's not going to happen, which means it totally could happen. I wouldn't put anything past Jerry to make a rash decision based off an early, yet again, exit from the postseason for the Dallas Cowboys. If the Dallas Cowboys do become available, I could see how that would upset the way the dominoes fall if we agree that the first dominoes to fall would be Harbaugh, Peyton Manning, Dan Quinn, in Denver, if Dallas were looking to hire a coach, I could see how one of those guys, and if, if Jim Harbaugh decides to go back to Ann Arbor or stay in Ann Arbor, he hasn't left yet. Now, all of a sudden, D'Amico has a couple more chairs available in the game of musical chairs. But I, I ended this year thinking for sure he's about to be a head coach somewhere else. I don't know anymore. No, I, I, I think circumstances are going to beat him more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I also think that, you know, him being black, is that's always a high bar to clear with a white ownership. But I would suggest that the Cowboys are less likely to replace their coach than the Chargers. If San Diego, if San Diego, I'm sorry, if, if, if the Chargers lose... Did they used to play in San Diego? Because yeah, if they did, I can for, forgive that mistake. Yeah, for, oh no, yeah, for a hundred years. I forgive you. Thank you. Um, but... I could easily see them looking at Brandon, Brandon Staley and going, you have Justin Herbert. How do you not get past Jacksonville? Because the bloom is off his rose big time. So I, I mean, could see that becoming another vacancy. The wild card for me, well, of all the wild cards here, it's the fact that Dan, Dan Quinn is the defensive coach du jour that people think is going to get a head coaching job because he's had one before. That also stands in the way of D'Amico Ryans getting one. So I think the odds are that D'Amico Ryans is going to end up back in San Francisco, uh, having done a couple of interviews and finding out what he needs to find out about interviewing, and Kirk and Kyle Shanahan throwing him some more money and maybe a better title. 
Well, that settles it then. I'm glad we were able to figure that one out. I'm exhausted. We deconstructed it before anyone even bothered to construct it. When we come on back, we got a little news and notes for you from the Golden State Warriors. They are obviously about to hit the road for a five-game road trip, which begins in San Antonio in front of a huge crowd. They're going to be playing at the old Alamo Dome, and they're bringing in like foldable stands. They're plopping the court right in the middle of the dome, and it's going to look like... Well, it won't look as weird as when, what, Houston... Fi Slam Ajama won its national championship in the middle of, of the, the Astrodome Astro. where they had a court in the middle but then no bleachers until the actual bleachers of the Astrodome started. That's yeah. the weirdest looking court setup in the history of a big basketball game. And that's why in big buildings they don't do that anymore. They put it close to one corner and then put stands around the two corners that aren't that aren't there. It's yeah, it's supposed to seat sixty five thousand, so We're going to come on back, tell you a little bit about some uh, news we got on the Warriors. And, oh, James Wiseman, the center, I don't know. The rapper, I don't know about that either. But we got more for you when we come on back here to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Coming to you from an alternative location, we are brought to you by CalHope.org. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, and together. We're going to be joined here. Ray and I sitting oh so close together in this auxiliary studio. Uh, we're going to be joined by Eric Davis at 5 o'clock. We're going to get into... A little secondary play with him. A little uh, little playoff football coming up this weekend with Eric Davis at 5 o'clock. Until we get there, Ray, I want to spend a little time talking about the uh, the road trip that the Warriors got coming up here. It's it's not going to be an easy one. I mean, we, we all know that. There hasn't been a lot of easy road anywhere for the Golden State Warriors. That's been obvious and evident all gosh darn season. The five-gamer starts tomorrow. San Antonio, Chicago, Washington, Boston, and Cleveland. Anthony Slater has already let us know that Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, and Jamichael Green all remain out of the Warriors' plans tomorrow as they open this road trip. Uh, Nobody else, though, has been listed on the injury report. The thing with Kaminga, man, he suffered a right foot sprain against Portland back on December 30th. He's missed the last four games. He's making good progress. Will begin to be incorporated back into team practices starting today, but how long it takes for him to actually get out there, we really, really don't know. This team, 
has been frustrating for a lot of different reasons this year, right? But they've also, and I'm not trying to make excuses for an underperforming Golden State Warriors team. You know, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt before we just start crucifying them for having a disappointing season. Because, you know, could they flip the switch? Could they turn it around? Could they be this year's Boston Celtics? Didn't look like they even mattered before the All-Star break and then they catch fire and, you know, close the season with everybody talking about them. That, that could totally happen. But man, they have caught a little bad break too along the way. You know, Wiggins has one of his best games of the season and he gets hurt in that game and misses a month. It's good that he's back. You got Kaminga finally starting to figure it out. He gets hurt and he remains out. Steph was absolutely balling at an in-the-MVP conversation again level. He goes for a strip, the kind of play on a basketball that is made a thousand times in a game, and a freak accident occurs. He misses a month, just rejoins the team. You got James Wiseman. I'm not going to say he's starting to figure it out because we don't even know if that's what's happening. But he tweaks his ankle playing three-on-three in practice, and he's now completely off the radar. Jamichael Green, COVID, followed by an infection that has cost him a month. No wonder why this team's older players are starting to look a little tired and ragged. Because all the backups, all the help that they thought they would get either hasn't materialized or got hurt. And just doesn't bounce back anytime soon. Well, that and Curry and Wiggins also missed a bunch of time. And that's probably the most dramatic part. Uh, one of the things about Curry and Wiggins being out is that you got to see some things from Kaminga before he got hurt. And Dante DiVincenzo has now become a reliable part of the 8-slash-9-man rotation. But for the most part, I don't put the Warriors' inconsistency on anything other than their defensive inconsistency. Because the one thing that a good defensive team will always have above and beyond the fact that they will have a chance to win, is it takes care of a lot of your culture issues. Because to play good team defense, you have to inherently trust the guy next to you and the guy behind you and the guy in front of you. And the Warriors' defensive issues have sort of suggested that the culture that always covered up you know, any other sins they might have might be fraying a bit at the edges. I don't think it's a crisis point, but this is not a team that I think gets to have the excuse of, well, we're hurt, so we're giving up 118 a game. 118 a game is a ridiculously high number for them under any circumstances. And so I'm I'm not as inclined to point to their injuries as much as I am inclined to point to the fact that night in and night out, you don't know if they're going to give you the kind of defensive performance and effort that you've become accustomed to. And any team in the NBA right now giving you a consistent defensive effort is going to look like one of the best teams in all of basketball. Yeah, There's no defense being played in this league right now. League-wide. I saw last night um, Jalen Brown became the 36th different player so far this season to have a 40-point game. I don't know what the grand total of players dropping 40-point games in in the NBA is historically in a single season. But 36 sounds like a lot. I mean, 36 north of 40? I mean, 40, 40 points is a 
plateau that was reserved for the best of the best in terms of did you do it in a game? Could you go out and get it in a game? And it happens routinely. Now, there are a few reasons for that. It Number one, let's give full respect to how much talent there is in this league right now. It's, it's unbelievable. The, the, the scoring ability in the NBA is further down the road than probably any other season has ever seen it. And that is testament to how much talent there is in the league. It's also testament to what the three-point line has done to just change the game dramatically. It's also a testament to the fact that defensive concepts are basically ignored to the point where it's a joke in this league. I, I, I wrote this down a couple of days ago, haven't gotten to it, and then I saw that this has become a talking point in other sports shows around TV and around basketball. Michael Jordan in his prime right now in this league, Ray, he's getting 45-point triple-doubles a night. Like, he would have destroyed this league. I wish you were around so the kids could see exactly who the hell he was when he was a player. Michael Jordan got 30 a night, basically, in a league that allowed you to be cut in half by Paul Bunyan and the Bay Blue Ox any single time you had the audacity to put a foot in the paint if you were a guard. You got double axe handle hammered. That is just such a foreign concept right now. Anger, nastiness in the NBA almost is non-existent, which means defense is down. It's another reason for it. Um, Guys who were great players 20 years ago would be destroying this candy-ass league right now. Uh, Yeah, um, a friend of mine at Defector, Patrick Redford, broke this down Monday uh, and pointed out that through Sunday's game, so there's been action since then, 34 different players have scored 40 or more points, a total of 91 times, which would put put it on a pace for 185 guys getting 40 in a game, which would by far be the most in any season in NBA history, uh, including the years where Will Chamberlain was averaging that. Um, it's there. There are any number of reasons why uh, the defense has been like this now for several years, though, and so I'm not sure that it's just the fact that defense is becoming, you know, is suddenly worse than it has been. Um, it's just when you when you look at it, I think more teams are willing to just say, oh. You, You've got the hot hand. Go. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell getting 71. It wasn't that they just said, go ahead and shoot. They basically just said, go ahead and have the ball and do with it what you want, which is why the night he had 71, he also had 11 assists. Well, I mean, that would have been a night where he normally would have had about 50, but he goes to the line, what, 22 times? He goes 21 to 22 from the line that night? I mean, it's absurd. Yeah, but but the free throws for the year are not materially up. That's the thing. And this is a this is either a recent phenomenon. Maybe they're calling you know, they're calling the open court foul more. But over the over the bulk of the year, free throws are not dramatically up. And they're not dramatically up for a lot of people. Uh the shooting might be better. I mean Miami had a game the other night where they were I want to say twenty five of twenty five from the line. Um I don't know yet why this is happening. There's a 12 different reasons and they change every night. I just know that when guys have big nights, it's not because all they're doing is shooting. 
it's because they're being given the basketball and allowed to make all the decisions. I mean, Donovan Mitchell in Utah wouldn't have passed the ball three times. The night he had 71, he was involving everybody. And so maybe it's a case of scorers are starting to be taught and absorbing the teaching of being more complete players so that you make your teammates better so they can make you better. So it might just be a change in philosophy among the top-level guys in the league. It's also a league that is so, from a scoring standpoint, outside in, that you start bringing the ball inside in a league that doesn't understand how to play any defense. Now, all of a sudden, they're packing the paint on you, which means you can kick it out to wide-open three-point shooters all over the league. And again, everybody's got a shooter this time around. You you, you can't survive in this league without being a three-point shooting team. And it's another reason why scoring is so up. Like you said, you know, what would, you know, 118 points. Anytime you give up 118, 120, you deserve to lose. Four years ago, you're right. Maybe that is more of an acceptable number now because we've got games in the 140s, 130s, just everywhere. All the time when you look up, we got ABA scores happening. 335 games so far uh, have been 120 and, and north, and that's out of 1250. So one of every four games, essentially. Steve Kerr has also been asked about this and has said, and this is maybe his bias speaking, he says, transition defense has never been worse. That it's not maybe the fact you can't put a body on somebody, but that guys aren't getting back. They're just, they're willingly letting games become track meets, almost like the ABA is suddenly having a resurgence. And if Kerr is right and it's transition defense, then that might make the most sense of all, is that guys aren't getting back, so teams are, are willing to go on the break faster. You know, So guys aren't getting back because, again, bad defensive principles, but also we're, we're in a league where there's speed on speed on speed on speed in this league. Guys that in any other era might look faster than everyone else on the court, there's two, three guys just as fast as them almost on every team all the time. I mean, it is a... A league that is generating more fast breaks with longer rebounds and more perimeter play and nothing gets a fast break going like a missed corner three. And that's a lot of threes this year. Um, There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why scoring is up. But one of them, I think, and and I, I... have a ton of respect for NBA players. I'm also going to tell you that this league is candy ass. It truly is right now. It truly, truly is. It's it's so much different than the sport of just five, six years ago. I mean, a lot of people were saying that the sport was weak when the Warriors started winning titles. Look at where it is now and how much it's it's degenerated into a nightly three-point shooting contest and you got, you know, teams are, are averaging 35, 43s a night. It's crazy. It's crazy. It really is. If you're the Warriors and you can shoot like that, shoot like that. If you're not the Warriors, which is everyone else but the Warriors, maybe you shouldn't be shooting like that. But it's not going to slow down this league. They've done the math, and three's worth more than two, so they're going to go for it. Well, it's interesting, though, that the teams that are shooting best from three are teams that are not jacking it up a lot. Denver, shooting 40%, they average 30 a game. 
30, uh, 33s a game. Brooklyn, 392. They average 31. Phoenix, 382. But just... You, just don't get to, you don't get to the Warriors until 6th. They're taking 43 a game, which I think is the most in the league. And they're only shooting 37%, which is not a huge percentage. No. So maybe the trick here is not as many knee-jerk threes and a lot more baskets in transition, which would be what Kerr is saying. But the the fact that you just said the like teams that aren't shooting a lot of threes are shooting 30 a night is insane. It's insane right there that the, the number 33s attempted is looked at as you didn't take a lot of threes. Is insane. Well, I'm just looking at this because I think it's been like this for a while. Um, Milwaukee, four years ago, was taking 38 a game, and they were very good. Um, uh, Atlanta was taking 37. I mean, I, well, I don't even want to mention Houston because they were off the chart. They were like 45 a game. Right. So that that's been going on for a while, and I suspect that the Warriors are as responsible for that spike as anybody. But... 30 a game is now very much on the low end and based on just cursory research right now it's been on the low end since uh, 2017 so two years of the Warriors has changed that perception to the point where 30 a night is low 30 a night is being bashful to take threes I mean what is uh, what are the Spurs do you have it in front of you what are the Spurs averaging because there's no head coach in this league who hates the three point shot more than Greg Popovich let me look look for that by the way while you are looking for that I I got a little something for you to listen to James Wiseman look normally I would say don't quit your day job but the day job isn't necessarily going well either he look he he fancies himself a creative guy. He fancies himself a little bit of a music guy. And I want to say this right now. It takes guts to put yourself out there with creative, artistic endeavors and knowing that, you know, the first 30 comments to any music you might put out as an athlete are going to sound an awful lot like, hey man, why don't you get out of the studio and into the gym? And, you know, maybe that argument could be made for James Wiseman. But anyway, here is James Wiseman this song is called Tested. All right, let's test it out. Hit it, Grandy. I'll say this. He sounds like a rapper. Okay? He sounds like a rapper. Here's what James Wiseman's got going for him. An unlimited recording budget. I guarantee you he's got a very, very expensive microphone. Whoever produced this kind of knows what they're doing as well. That guy's... Look, rap is a studio art form. So the better your studio, the better you're going to sound. But I'm not hearing anything out of him that is, you know, necessarily... 
you know, that's hot. I mean, what's hot about that is we know who he is and we know that he is not a rapper. So for a, you know, anyone who's getting graded on the you're an athlete trying to be a rapper curve, like he's doing okay there. He's all right. It's not, it's, it's, when I clicked on it today, I expected it to be a horror show. It's not a horror show. It sounds like a rapper. I'll give him that much. So congratulations. He's not a wordsmith. I mean, he came up with a number two pencil right away. Uh, not a wordsmith. He's obviously not trying to, you know, rhyme the second syllable of a word the way that Eminem sort of reinvented rap in just the way that he would tie words together. But it's his other job. So, you know, but, oh, great, James Wiseman. I mean, whatever it takes for that guy to feel good about himself, whatever it takes for that guy to get a little self-confidence and a little aggressive, do that. So if this helps him do that, do that. Ray, your uh, your your review I, of James Wiseman's rap. Play. I wouldn't even try to review it. I it is not my not my genre. And is he I'm, a better rapper than he is a basketball player? I don't know. I mean, Isn't that a big problem? Uh, well, yeah, but <laughs> I, the rap is not getting in the way of his basketball. No, what's it's getting not. in the way of his basketball is that he hasn't played enough basketball, and that goes back to his brief time in college. And the year he lost to injury, I mean, he's right now just learning what he's supposed to do as a pro and trying to make it instinctive rather than sort of, now I have to do this. It's just, it's, it's still, it's still too mechanical, but the wrapping, it's fine because you're not going to spend 14 hours in the gym every day. You'll destroy your knees and you'll be done before you know it. So... If he, if he likes it, fine. Yeah, sitting in front of a microphone takes no effort at all. Trust me, oh. I'm well versed in it. Yeah. Uh, you asked about the uh, Spurs. Yes. They are 22nd in attempts at 32 a game. Oh, you know Popovich hates that. He does, but he also recognizes that that's the game now. It that's is. what basketball is. The only team that is not throwing up 30 and not, 33s a night is the Bulls. And they are barely a play-in team right now. The Lakers are 29th at 30 and a half. So, yeah, the 30 is the bare minimum now. Just to bring it back to James Wiseman for a second more. If he's going to continue to rap, <laughs> like rap about sunny days, rap about picnics, maybe a girlfriend or something like that, don't come out hard. Because my hard radar does not go off when James Wiseman steps into a room. I think one of James's massive problems is that he's just, he's soft. I'm sorry. I, I, he, he's soft. I, I, it, it's a terrible thing to say about a big basketball player, but I think he's just got a little bit of a soft heart about him, and he does not go up for that rebound like he wants it more than the next guy. And he, he his hands stink. And I don't know what is going to become of him. And then there's even a more damning bit of information other than me saying, looks a little soft to me. The Warriors remain clearly more successful without him than with him. And in year three, that's a problem. When he plays 25 or more minutes, the Warriors are 0-1. When he plays between 14 and 25 minutes, they are 2-4. When he plays in between 0 and 14 minutes, they're 6-6. When he DNPs, they're 12-9. 
Well, I mean, he's been he's been a slow study. He and I'm not sure that soft is the right word as much as it is unpracticed in the things that the Warriors want out of him because everybody loved the fact that he was as athletic and he was good in the open court. The Warriors don't want their center to be that. The Warriors want their center to be Kevon Looney. And Kevon Looney does not do open court. He goes to his he goes to his spot and he does what they want him to do. Which all he is, needs to do, Ray, all James Wiseman needs to do is finish pick and rolls and defend the rim and rebound. But, That's it. Okay, but it's not simple for him. And I, the maybe reason why pick and rolls aren't simple for him is because he makes no contact on his picks because he's kind of soft. I don't think it's because he's soft. I think it's because he's in a hurry to get away from the pick so that he can be open for a shot. And the Warriors don't look for their center to shoot. I think I think there's something in his head that says, this is what I should be. And I think it's not him trying to be stubborn. It's that the basketball he's learned is the basket is the kind of basketball where he has the ball in his hand. And on this team, the center does not have the ball in his hand unless he's chased down a rebound. I so think- I think it's it's a it's a learning experience. I don't think they're going to abandon him anytime soon. But, I mean, he may never get it. You're right. But I don't think it's because he's soft. I think it's because he imagines himself a different player than the Warriors project him to be. Well, then he might need a different team. And I would, I would not be surprised at all to see him possibly moved at the deadline for anyone who could contribute. Because James Wiseman does not contribute. Uh, you know who's going to contribute here on 95.7 The Game? Eric Davis. He is joining us next. We're looking forward to talking to him about the big game that's coming up on Saturday between the 49ers and Seahawks. We got that for you. And then a few other things. The complaint department, quite a big matchup in the NBA tonight will be opened. And one of the funnier stories about you better wish me happy birthday I've seen in a while. By the way, it's not my birthday. Don't wish me happy birthday, but... Don't wish Ian Poulter a happy birthday either because it's going to upset him very much. And to me, that's funny because he's he's 47. You shouldn't care about it at that point in time. Uh, So don't you go anywhere. A strong final hour of today's show is around the corner. Meanwhile, Damon and Ratto here on 95.7 The Game brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking. No compromises. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.